I imagine that uh, most of you have played the word association game, where somebody says a word and you say the first thing that pops into your head. Uh, I say ball, you say bat. I say ice, you say cold. I say sermon, you say short. You know, <laughs> so that, that's how the game works. Well, since you're familiar with it now, let's let's play it for real. I'm going to give you a word, and you think of the first thing that pops into your head. You ready? Church. Okay, let's go around one by one and see what everybody... <laughs> uh, my guess would be, well, first of all, I'd guess we probably got four or five hundred different words, but uh, some probably thought of a specific name, like I said church, somebody said Northside. Uh, somebody might have said Sunday, people. Friends, worship, uh, lots of things probably pop into your head when I say church and you'd say the first thing you think of it. That's okay. I expect that. But suppose I tried the church. That'd probably be a little different because, you see, that's a little more serious than just a generic word church. The church is a different thing. And if I ask what you think about, not just one word, but what you think about the church, uh, there'd be a lot of different answers, but I would think there would be a few more similarities, especially in an older demographic. Uh, my generation, a little bit younger than me, uh, we grew up, if you grew up in the churches of Christ, hearing lots of sermons about the church. And so when someone says the church, there are certain things we think of. Uh, a younger demographic, I imagine, doesn't think of some of the things that my generation would. Uh, let, let's change it just a little bit. What if we went out to the streets, started asking the man on the street? started asking friends at work, what do you think about when I say the church? You'd get all sorts of things, wouldn't you? Because, you see, when the world thinks of church, they think of differently than we do sometimes. A famous slogan is, attend the church of your choice. When I was younger, the National Council of Churches had big billboards up that said that. Well, their goal was to get people to just go to church. And that's the way they advertised it. Attend the church of your choice. Just pick one. Uh, the world today, more than yesterday probably, uh, would say when you think about the church, well, pick one. Find one that suits your needs. Find one that meets your needs. But whatever you want, whatever you're needing in life, we'll find a church that meets that, and churches respond to that. Churches put out on their side. But we've got three or four different kinds of worship. We've got four or five different times of worship. Whatever you want to come, whatever you want to listen to, whatever you want to be part of, that's what we've got. We'll provide it. I get a big postcard in the mail every once in a while from different churches that are canvassing the neighborhood, and they 
advertise that you can come dressed any way you want. We got coffee. We got excitement. You can come and we'll give you all of these things. Whatever you're looking for, we'll provide. Uh, The world would tell you, I think, in general, that there's no big difference between churches. One church, just as good as another. So just pick one that you like best and meets your needs and you're good to go. Uh, Different churches advertise or promote different purposes, if you will. Uh, And yes, the church ought to make a difference in the world, but uh, some churches have decided that that's the role of church, is to fix the world. Here's a uh, one church's mission statement that I found online. Uh, it's a certain denomination, and it's in their official mission statement, but this is their slogan, be the church. Well, how do you be the church, you might ask? Well, they say you protect the environment. Uh, you care for the poor. You forgive often. You reject racism. You fight for the powerless. You share earthly and spiritual resources. You embrace diversity. You love God. Enjoy this life. Well, there's some noble ideas in there. There's some really good things in there. But but part of it may sound to you like it sounds to me more of a political platform than God's church. But the world thinks that what the church does. Another thing about what the world thinks, the world is becoming more and more unchurched. When I was young in the 60s, uh, the hippie movement and all of that, there was a movement uh, that, yes, we'll worship Jesus and we like Jesus, but you don't need the church. And the slogan was, Jesus, yes, the church, no. Well, that still exists, and it's grown. Uh, church, Christians are too judgmental. Uh, we, we don't need that. We just love Jesus, and everything's good. Uh, statistics show, and I didn't look up a, a lot of them just to see, but the one I looked at said my generation, probably about a quarter of us are unchurched. Don't attend church regularly. Don't don't have anything to do with it, basically. About a quarter. My children's generation, that goes up to about a third or more, almost 40%. My grandchildren's generation, it goes up to close to 50%. Don't have anything to do with church. Don't need church. Not necessary. We got a question, know your Bible, a few years ago from a lady who said she was in her 80s. And her question said, I go to church at such and such a place because my daughter recommended it. And then she asked, do I really need to have my name on some church roll? Or can I, if I'm all, am I all right if I just believe in Jesus and read the Bible? Do I really need church? Or do I just believe in Jesus and read the Bible? Is that good enough? Well, it's safe to say, I think, that the world is confused about church. The world says there are lots of churches. Pick one you want. They're all okay. Just pick one that meets your needs. It's kind of a Burger King kind of thing. Have it your way. 
That's the way you pick churches. Uh, or be part of our church and help us save the planet, or get some real cool bumper stickers with political slogans and part of our church. Uh, at best, churches are unnecessary. At worst, they're dangerous. Those are the kind of things that the world would tell me if I went out and started interviewing people and said, what do you think about the church? Well, I told you already, it's a serious matter what we think about the church. It really does matter. You see, our God is not a God of confusion. So when there's this much confusion about something, the world has it wrong. And I would propose, suggest, to get rid of some of that confusion, of what if we just look at the Bible? What if that's just all we did? We don't play word games. We don't take polls on the street. We, we don't do any of that. We just look at the Bible. We go through it. You can start the front if you want and go all the way through and look for church things. See what it says about that. Now, if we did that, you can learn a whole lot more than I'm going to tell you today. Uh, we've got 20 or 30 minutes here just to get a little taste of it, and that's all we're going to do. But let's see if we can just get a taste of what the Bible says and eliminate a little confusion. First, let's understand what the word means. Okay. Uh, the ancient Greeks came up with this word. They had a legislature that got together to decide things for the society, and they called them the ecclesia, the outcalled, the called out. There were people that were called out for a special purpose from all the other people to do something special. Okay? So the New Testament writers used that Greek word when they talked about the church is the way we translate it. Uh, they talked about a called out group. We say that means church. Those of you that are attending uh, adult classes or going through the story of the Old Testament and about week three, I think it was, we studied the fact that God did what? He called out a special people. He said to Abraham, I, I'm going to take your descendants, I'm going to call them out of the world. They're going to be different. They're going to be a holy nation. They're going to be a nation of priests. They're going to bless the world through your family. So... We read that, about that first group called out and in Daniel. Daniel's talking about the history of the world. And in chapter 2 and verse 44, he's talking about the Roman Empire is going to come someday. And he says, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. One of the first prophecies of the called out, the ecclesia, the church. He's going to set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. 1 Peter 2.9 is addressed to members of the church. Those that are called out, Christians. Let me just make sure we read it completely. 1 Peter 2.9. Peter says to the church, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for his own possession, 
that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See what Peter says to Christians? He says, you have been called out. You've been called out of darkness. The world's dark. John chapter 1, the world loves darkness. But you've been called out of that into his light, and you're a holy nation, a set-apart, your royal priesthood. You, you belong to God. That's what that word means that we're looking at here. It, so we know what it means. If we keep looking, we'll find in the Bible, we can't find lots of churches. That's what the world thinks, remember. You can't find that in the Bible. The passage that was read for you earlier, Brother Arden, Jesus is talking to Peter and the other apostles, and he asks them, who do you think I am and all that? And Peter says, you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah that the Old Testament talks about. You're the King. And Jesus says, that's right, Peter. And upon that foundation, upon that fact that I am the Messiah, I will build my church. I'll build my church and the gates of Hades, the death, won't overcome it. If you read that passage with a little different emphasis, he says, I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. There's not a lot of churches there, folks. That's one church. So when we read the Bible, that's what we learn. There is only one church, and it belongs to Christ. Now, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church. But let me point something out. Some of you that are here for the first time maybe and don't know uh, that sign that you drove past when you came in, uh, that sign that says Church of Christ, it's not a denominational name. That's not why we put it out there. The way we think of that is that it's just a biblical statement of ownership. This is a called out group of people, some of that called out group that live close to here and meet together here to support each other and all that. But we're his called out people and we belong to him. So we put it on the sign. This is the called out of Jesus. This is the ecclesia of Christ. Is what that's out there for. Uh, now that we know what church means, let's just go through real quickly four things uh, that the Bible says about the church. First, Acts twenty twenty eight, talking about the church of God, which he bought with his own blood, it says. So that's a pretty important thing to know about the church. It was purchased with the blood of Christ. Now, that may be so cliche that we don't stop and think about it, but let's go back to our materialistic world a little bit because that's the way we evaluate things and judge things. If I took you out to the parking lot and I said, there's two cars here. One of them costs $500. One of them costs $500,000. What would you think? I know, you'd think, well, who owns that rascal, you know? But no, <laughs> we, we would think, whoa, that cost that much? That's impressive. There's something about That must be a very special car. 
Okay, if you understand that materially, transfer it over to spiritually. What did the church that we're talking about cost? This church, this this kingdom, this group of people that we're talking about cost the precious blood of the only sinless person who ever lived, who gave up the glories of heaven to come to earth to pay that price. And our response to that ought to be, whoa, that's special. The church that we're talking about is very, very valuable. It was purchased with his blood. Second, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.15, it's talking about God's household, the church, and it says it is the church of the living God, and it's the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church is not only very, very valuable, the church upholds the truth. It's the pillar the truth sits on, if you will. It's the foundation that supports truth. Now, we can think about that wrong. We, we can think about, you know, a physical podium, a pillar like here that these flowers are sitting on, and we can put the, the truth up on a pillar. We can put it in a glass case and tell people, well, you come to this church, we've got the truth. Well, we can explain the truth to you. We hold it up. We support it. We defend it. And yes, we're supposed to do that, but that's not what that verse means. That verse is talking about the church, the called out people that we've learned about, support and live truth. You look around, the world does not support truth. You read what God says about anything, about how to live life, about how to function, how to have marriage, how to parent, how to spend money, how to work, anything you want to think of in life, this book says something about it, and the world does not support that. The world teaches the opposite. The world mocks what's in here. The world legislates against what this is in here. And Paul wrote to Timothy and said, The church, the church of the living God, which was purchased with his blood, is the pillar of truth. It upholds truth in this world. When the world has their way, Things get darker and darker and more evil and more wicked. The church displays truth, not in a glass cage that we know what it says, but in the world, the church says, here it is. And if you haven't quite got that point yet, think about what Jesus said. What did Jesus say about the call that? You are the salt. You are the light. When you're out in the world, there's a difference. The church is the pillar of truth, the foundation of truth. It's not about what we know and our doctrine and all of that, and we keep it pure. It's not about that. It's about life. It's about how to live. It doesn't take place in here. This is a good thing we do for an hour every Sunday. But the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth when it gets out there. 
when it's scattered into the world, you, the church, show people this is what truth is. This is what's really success. This is what's a good marriage. This is good parenting. This is how you serve other people. This is how you work for a boss. This is how you manage your money because God says that's the best life. The church, the people called out from the world, demonstrate God's truth. We're salt and light. We're a pillar and foundation. Third, the Bible says in Philippians 2, 1 and 4, Paul writing to the church in Philippi, he tells them, have the same love. Consider others better than yourself. Look to the interests of others. And that's one passage that talks about it, but there's a whole lot of others that teach us that the members of the church love each other. And this is real agape love. It includes serving. It includes doing for others. Sometimes even includes liking each other. But, But it's love in a biblical sense. We care for each other. We help and support and encourage each other is what the members of the church are supposed to do. Uh, Friday, there was a ceremony at Carpenter Place, and we're blessed here at Northside to have a number of the young ladies from Carpenter Place uh, be with us while they're living and studying at Carpenter Place, and we get to know them, and we get to love them. Uh, Three of them completed their series of studies and graduated and are going on to exciting new adventures, but they had their graduation ceremony Friday. And as I was sitting there looking around, I thought, you know, there's a lot of Northsiders here. And so I got my little piece of paper out, and I counted. I'm that kind of weird guy. So I I counted, and there were four families there that are actually associated with Carpenter Place and part of the staff and all that. So I, I didn't even count them. But for those three girls' graduation, there were 18 Northside families represented. 18. And as I thought about that, I didn't even know some of them knew these girls. And I was surprised when some of them walked in the door. But somehow, in this group of people that loves each other, 18 different families at least, and there were a lot of you I know that were working and couldn't be there and all that, but 18 families at least took time to support and encourage those other parts of the family. There was an article in the bulletin this week about one of our members who got a basement flooded. And he said within 30 minutes, his small group was there and just took care of things. Now, I I know there are other places you can find support and encouragement. There's lots of social clubs. There's lots of service clubs. There's friends at work. There's sports leagues you're in that you form relationships with and all that. But out of all of those, I would challenge you to find one for me where people love each other like they do in the ecclesia. The church is different. The church is called out for that purpose. And when we understand that, that's how we live. That's how our relationships are. In fact, John 13.35, I didn't put it on the board, but write it down. John 13.35 Jesus said, 
this is how people will know that you're my disciples. This is how people will know that you're one of the called out. This is how people will know that you belong to me. And he says that you love one another. Not by what's on the sign out front. But when they get to know you, they find out you love each other. He said that's how they'll know. That's a distinctive mark of the ecclesia. Fourth and finally, 1 Corinthians 15, 24, Paul's talking about the end of time, and he says, then the end will come when he, Jesus, hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominions and authority and power. Paul says at the end of time, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to take his called out. He's going to take his kingdom, his church, and he's going to deliver it to God, and they're going to live together forever. And he's going to destroy all the evil powers in the world, and the church is going to heaven. John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, before Jesus left, he told those that he had called out at that point, He said, I'm leaving, but I'm going to go get a place ready for you. And when I come back, I'll take you. I'll take you to that place that I've prepared, and you're going to be with me. He said that to the called out. Now, the world's really confused about who's going to heaven. They got all sorts of ideas about that. But the Bible's pretty clear. He is coming back for is ecclesia. He's coming back for those who have been called out from the world, for his people, for his church. And those that are living at that time will be reunited with those who have already gone before, and the church will live with him forever. Now those are just four things, but I think we've found a lot of what the Bible says. If I ask what you think about the church, and you've been reading the Bible, you could say this, the church, well, it's the group of people that are called out of the world and purchased with the blood of Jesus. It's the ones who uphold the truth, who love each other, and will go to heaven when Jesus comes back. I told you earlier that this was serious. When you read that statement, The church is a serious thing. It's not a confusing thing. It's a wonderful thing. Now, that little statement right there is not nearly all of what the Bible says about church. I hope you understand that. Some of you are sitting there thinking, he needs a fifth point. He forgot this. He needs a sixth point. He forgot this. I could... I preached one year on the church, folks. We could go on a long time. 2007, that's what we spent the whole year. The theme was, here's the church. And we learned all sorts of things about the church. So understand, I've just given you a little bitty taste of it. And I realize that that leaves you with a thousand questions. All right, you told us what the Bible says about this, but how does this work? What about that? I'm tempted 
to go on for another 20 or 30 minutes just to answer some of the biggie questions. But you know, when I read the story of Jesus, one thing I've noticed is after every time he talked to people, they all asked a bunch of questions. They got back to the campfire and the apostle said, hold it now, what does that mean? What about this? He never answered all their questions. So this is kind of the right thing to do. I'm going to leave you with a whole bunch of questions. I would advise you to ask somebody. If you've got some questions, okay, if that's true about the church, well, what about this? Well, ask somebody. Anybody around you that looks like they're part of the church, just, well, even if they don't look like it, just ask them. Say, what about, i got a question. They can take you to somebody who can answer it if they can. All right, now why did I give you this little taste of information about the church? Two reasons. First, for those of you that are part of this group, that that understand what church is and how to get into the church and, and all of those things, I wanted to help you remember what an amazing thing that is. I wanted to help you realize, if you hadn't thought about it that way before, that when we come together, but even more important than that, when we are apart, when you leave here and go to work or school or wherever you go or go home to your family, you are called out. You're separate from the world around you. You've been bought with the blood of Jesus. You are the source of truth for people around you. You're salt and light. You should make a difference. You're part of a family that serves and cares and loves each other. And someday, we're all going home together. Now, if you put all that together and wrap your head around that, that should change your attitude. That should change your relationship. It should change your life if you realize who you really are. So I I told all of this first for those folks, but secondly, I told it for those who are not part of this group. Maybe you just walked in today and have never been here before, never been in a church before. Uh, You didn't realize these truths about the church. Well, I told it so that maybe this quick look would sound like something that's worth knowing about. You know, if the church is really that, maybe I ought to be part of it. I hope I've roused that interest in somebody. And like I said, if you did, well, go ask somebody. First person, you can turn around to the person behind you and you ask them, and they may say, I don't know, I'm not part of it either. Well, tell them. Say, well, come on, we'll go find somebody that is. We'll find somebody to ask because this is an interesting thing. It's a serious thing. It's an essential thing. So ask. There may be some here who understand all of this, come to understand what the church is and even how to get into it. They read Acts chapter 2, where there were a group of people, thousands of people, that realized they weren't in the right relationship with God. And they asked Peter, what do we do? 
Peter said, well, you've got to repent, and you've got to be baptized, and you'll have your sins forgiven. And then verse 47 says those that did that were saved, and they were added to the church. So there's the 22nd version of how to get into the church. And there may be somebody here this morning who's ready to do that, and we'd be thrilled to help you. Uh, we'd also be happy to answer any questions, like I've said a few times. So if the church interests you and you want to know more about it, ask somebody. We're glad you were here this morning. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation in any way, why don't you come while we stand and sing?